in search of deeper faith, grateful for brighter hope, and held by steadfast love. Amen. When my wife Anita and I were in seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, we'd visit a few times each year with my maternal grandparents who lived four hours away in Huntington, West Virginia. They had an on-again, off-again connection with a little American Baptist church to which they more or less belonged. My grandfather had once been treasurer there at a time when there wasn't enough money to go around and there was a lot of tension about how to pay the church's bills. He got caught in the crossfire of church politics, got wounded, and after he did, he was never very active again. He'd sometimes say to me, church is too much about money. Who's got it? Who wants it? What they'll do to get it? Who controls it? And he didn't have much use for clergy. He said, I like to keep company with a better class of people than them fellows. <laughs> Drunks and thieves, for instance. Or a lot of air, not much there. So he had to swallow hard when my plan to go to law school got hijacked by a call to ministry. He adjusted. He supported me. He always did. One day he asked me a question I've never been able to answer to my satisfaction and haven't wanted to forget. In fact, it's a question that grows more urgent. Son, he asked, how is it possible for a man to go to church for 50 or even 60 years and it not make a lick of difference in him? Sit there year after year in Sunday school and preaching, reading the Bible, listening to sermons and praying prayers. Sit there all that time, all them long years and be just as mean, as mean as a snake, as the day he started a-going. My grandfather wanted me to explain to him how we can be so resistant to personal change, even change we want to make. How we can defend ourselves against transformation, transformation we know we need. He wanted to know how we who love Jesus can end up being less like Him than we hoped we would be. Poet David White said, we are the one part of creation that can refuse to be itself. He's right, of course. An acorn slowly becomes the oak tree it was intended to be. A caterpillar enters and emerges from its chrysalis as the butterfly it was meant to be. The squirrels that play outside my front window never pretend to be chipmunks or groundhogs. As far as I know, a hippopotamus never has days when he wishes he'd been an elephant instead. And while my dog surely thinks he's smarter than the human beings who own him, 
He doesn't appear to want to be one of us, which may indicate that he is smarter than we are after all, because if he were one of us, he'd have to work more, sleep less, and get fewer treats. Only human beings are able to resist change and therefore to refuse to become our truest selves. Only we can allow the voices of criticism, the pressures of our culture, and the expectations of other people to misshape us into someone other than the person God wants us to be. Only we can surrender to the temptations that make us less than human. Only we can conspire in our own diminishment. Only we can be accomplices in self-sabotage. Now some of us realize that we aren't who we meant to be. And that awareness makes us restless and unsettled. We know that the clock is ticking, the days are passing, and we wonder and worry, how long will I live the scripts someone else has written for me? How long will I play the roles in which others have cast me? Will I ever experience the transformation that will make me who I truly am. Real change, genuine transformation, we know this. It's difficult. It's difficult in part because it requires unflinching honesty. The kind of honesty into which the season of Lent just ahead of us invites us. We need to look closely and compassionately at how things are with us right now to face as courageously as we can those parts of ourselves that we know are wounded, guilty, ashamed, overlooked, unintegrated. You know, don't you, that everyone else is wounded, ashamed, guilty, and broken too, right? Everyone else. Henry Nouwen was fond of saying that what we fear is true only about us is in fact true of everyone else. And if we could find the courage to step out from behind the masks we, we wear to keep each other from knowing the truth, we might find that those we trust would accept us after all. They wouldn't put us out. They wouldn't walk away. They wouldn't be done with us. But that's what we fear. Transformation is hard because it calls for honesty, vulnerability, and courage. But even more than that, transformation depends on Jesus and on our attentiveness to Him. Jesus shines with glorious, gracious, and generous aliveness. His 
exquisite humanity, his transparency to the image of God, his passionate love, his tender strength, these qualities of Jesus are contagious. We catch them from him by being with him. The Gospel of Mark tells us that on a high mountain, Jesus was momentarily transformed from an ordinary-looking Palestinian Jew into a person who radiated the splendor of God. Before the eyes of three of his friends, he was engulfed in the brightness of God. He became dazzling white. His whole being shone brilliantly. Two eminent heroes of the Jewish faith appeared there with him. Moses, who represented the Torah, Elijah, who stood for the prophets, they were there with him as if to say everything God had been doing in history was now converging on this shining one, converging on Jesus. The disciples were awestruck by what they saw. They wanted simultaneously to prolong it and to protect themselves from it. A wondrous cloud which shimmered with God's presence overshadowed all of them. A voice silenced everything but the thudding of their hearts. The voice said, This is my Son, the Beloved. Listen to Him. Then almost as quickly as it had begun, it was over. Moses and Elijah disappeared. The cloud evaporated. The voice fell silent. And Jesus led his friends down the mountain to take up again the responsibilities and opportunities of healing a shattered world and loving lonely people. But here's what transfiguration can say to us. What happened to Jesus happens to us when we do what the heavenly voice said. As we fix our attention on Jesus and listen to Him. You see, true transformation, real transfiguration isn't a self-help project. It's not an exercise in do-it-yourself. We don't really change ourselves. We open ourselves to be changed. We don't make ourselves bright with the radiance of life. We allow ourselves to be made radiant by Jesus. As today's collect has us pray, grant to us that we, beholding by faith the light of His countenance, may be strengthened to bear our cross and be changed into His likeness from glory to glory, beholding by faith the light of His countenance. May we be changed from glory to glory. We behold the light of His countenance when we gather for worship. And when we see, week by week, His body broken for us in the Eucharist, we hear His voice in Scripture 
and in silent moments of prayer and reflection, we gaze on His image when we serve one another and especially when we look into the eyes of the marginalized and excluded. With the beauty of Jesus in our eyes, our own beauty emerges. With His wisdom in our ears, we make life-giving, life-healing decisions. With His love in our hearts, we deepen our compassion, we widen our welcome. With His dreams in our imagination, we see what the world would be, what the world will be. When God's will and way hold sway on earth as in heaven, as we gaze at the glory of Jesus, we become the light and fire of life as God means it to be. In her poem, The Ponds, Mary Oliver said, still, still, I want in my life to be willing to be dazzled, to cast aside the weight of facts, and maybe even to float a little above this difficult world. I want to believe that I am looking into the white fire of a great mystery. I want to believe that the imperfections are nothing, that the light is everything that it is more than the sum of each flawed blossom rising and fading. And I do. I do. The face of Jesus shines with the white fire of a great mystery. He dazzles me. He dazzles us. And as he does, we realize that these imperfections of ours really are nothing. That the light, his light, is everything. And in that light, we become ourselves. Amen.